Hello, welcome back to For Book's Sake. This is Heather Roberts. And I am Veronica Adams, and together we are 1852 Media. That we are. And today, we are going to talk about how to reboot your brand in the new year. Yes. I figured it was a timely topic. New year, new you, new brands. That's right. A lot of authors, especially, are looking at their year end right now. Right. And figuring out their plans for the new year. And the question is, what do you do? What do you what are you looking for, even? Right. Uh, for those who don't do year-end reviews, you you should. You yes. should. That's yes. That's a thing you should do. Because this here's is a, the th- this is a great time to start that. <laughs> right. This is a great time to start that if you haven't done it before. Because here's the thing: if you don't have data, you don't have information, yep. you don't know what's working, and you don't yep. know what's not working. Mm-hmm. So what How were your sales this year? Right. When did you run ads? What do your ad metrics look like? How are your newsletter subscribers doing? You know, your open rates good or your click rates good? Do you have a mostly engaged list? I mean, there are just so many things that you can look at. How many how frequently do you send your newsletter? Yes. When exactly. did you send it? The times that you sent it. Did you send right. it more at one time than at another time? Mm-hmm. Did it, did they open more when you sent yep. it on this day in time than another right. day in time? Right. A lot of authors look at the new year and they think, okay, I'm writing these books or I'm, I've written these books and I'm publishing these books in the coming year. And that, that is as far as they get with the analysis about yeah. what the new year is going to bring to their business. And that's okay. That is but okay. also you're leaving a lot on the table that you could be refining and working on and coming up with a plan to address to grow, to improve, to start if you're not doing all of these things. Yeah. And and it should be more than just these are the books. Right. It should be way more than just these are the books. You should be doing a couple things right now, I think. Okay. So you should be looking back, looking back at this past year yes. and looking at all the things you did with your business. So what books did you release? What new thing did you try this past year? Did right. you try a new thing? how did that work out? (laughs) Was that working better or worse Mm -hmm. than what you did before? So let's look at some of those metrics. Who did you cross promote with this year? Yep. Put them all on the list. Did you cross promote with this Yeah. What did you do to cross promote? You know, let's look at these things. What were the sales figures for each month? Let's look at the numbers. What were your expenses for each month? Let's look at the numbers. You're going to have what to- What reader events did you go to? How right. many books did you sell there? And what was what what were your numbers like in the month or two after you attended the event? Like, And I'll, I'll put a comment in on that because you may have really enjoyed yourself at that event. I have no yep. doubt you did. But They're was it fine time? Yeah. Always a good time. But was it financially worth it for you to go right. to that event? Right. Was it worth it? Uh, so, you know, let's look at these things. Let's look back and say, what did we do? Was it worth it? Yep. Should I do it again? Is this a piece of my business that I, I absolutely need or yes. can I do without? Right. Or maybe it is a piece and I want to grow upon it, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I did a little bit of this. Let's do more of this. Right. Let's look at it. Then you need to look forward. You need to say, like you were talking about, like, what books am I releasing next year? Right. <laughs> is there, what is the strategy here? Yeah. What makes sense? 
right? Like what sold last year? And should I be doing that again? That's a really important consideration that I don't think a lot of authors actually spend any time on is do these books sell so well that I should invest more of my time in producing additional volumes and in, in this particular series or genre, whatever, if they're not selling, you might need you to say be goodbye that before you commit to producing more of them. Yeah. <laughs> and is there a reason they're not selling? I mean, there, cause there could be a valid reason. Maybe you only so, have one or two books out in the series, right? right? Right. You need at least, you know, I think five in my opinion, Mm-hmm. to get real metrics if a book is selling, four to five. And if it's not selling then, it might be time to, right. s- to wrap. Well, and and is it actually selling or did you just do a really good job of giving them away? Because that happens right. a lot too. That's true. I see authors who invest in books that without some sort of discount or or free promotion, they're books that don't move. Yeah. And the authors continue to write in these worlds, in these series, when, I mean, ultimately, it's other books in their backlist that are making them money, if they're making money at all. Right. So you've, you've really got to look at that and make sure that you are not committing to something that is not in the best interest of your business and your bottom line. Right. Like, I mean, it's it reminds me, what is that? Like the Marie Kondo, does this spark joy? Yes. It's, to, to us, sparking joy equals making money. So does this make you money? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we are more complete human beings than that. But yes, for purposes of this podcast and dispensing advice to authors about marketing, yes, our version of sparking joy is does this make you money? Or or to be fair to your other point, is this serving you in some way? Right. How is it serving you? Right. Is it bringing in readers to your world? Because yes. that, that serves you. That, those readers can be converted into paid mm-hmm. readers, those yeah. free or discounted readers. Most so, of the time. There yeah. are some in, that will always just be free book. Of course. Uh, yeah. 100%. But. Yeah. So then I'll say for the third thing that you should be looking at, in my opinion, is what new thing do you want to try this up, this upcoming yes. year? How can you grow your business? Is there a new channel that you can sell on? Right. Is there something that you can do with the things that you already have? Maybe right. audiobooks, maybe sell your books to foreign rights, um, do foreign rights translations. Yes. Do like what can you do with the products that you currently have mm-hmm. that are sitting there? Or maybe you want to try a Shopify store. Oh my or, god, I was just about to say maybe this is the year you try direct sales. Yeah. Or this is the year that you expand your social media reach to a platform that you haven't used before, like YouTube or TikTok. Right. Maybe you set the up tu- a TikTok shop. The tube shop. of you, to quote Heather. The tube of you. Yeah, maybe you set up a TikTok shop. Maybe right. you start doing YouTube shorts mm-hmm. and a longer YouTube content. What is the new thing you're going to try this year? Maybe you write a freebie to be your lead-in slash reader magnet for your newsletter because you don't have one of those yet. And you've right. never set aside the time to produce a short story. It does not have to be super long that you can give away for free to get people on your newsletter list and introduce them to your books. I have. I will say I have one client who does that exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. And she does epilogues, bonus epilogues at the yes. end of every single book. They are all different. They all have a different book funnel download page, right? So like a different lead in. 
She incorporates this into her production schedule. So as she writes the book, she includes time to produce this bonus epilogue for marketing. Yes. Okay. And so then if the person, the reader, the organic reader who is, say, picking it up on Amazon, they read the book, they want to get the bonus epilogue that attaches to that book, right? Because it's the same characters. Yes. They then click on the book funnel link at the end of the book. They are then taken. They have to sign up to her newsletter in order to obtain the free. Yes you know, um, bonus epilogue. And then not only does she gain that new newsletter subscriber, but she has it segmented. So she knows exactly which couple brought the the Mm -hmm. subscriber to her list. She knows exactly where they came from. Yes. And that is beyond helpful. If then the next time she has a trope that is the same trope as the couple that brought them into her newsletter list, she can market these readers very heavily with more, with more content her newsletter yeah brilliant it's brilliant and we're not talking about these long epilogues it's like a chapter long we're talking about like what like two thousand words maybe sure something sure and she's just this is just part of her marketing schedule maybe that's something that you want to do in the new year right Right. Because it really helps then to know where, where did somebody come from? Yes. <laughs> where, where did these people come from? Well, right. Getting getting them into the pool of people to whom you can directly advertise via your newsletter or some other mechanism. That part is great. Like that is that is sort of getting over the hump or climbing the mountain, if you will. Yeah. But if you know where they came from, that makes your life so much easier. Mm-hmm. If you know what brought them to you, then yeah. I mean, that's... It's chef's kiss. Mwah, chef's kiss. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's so beautiful. Is. So it's beautiful. Maybe this is the year that you want to do um, more social media where you're just more present on social media. Right. And so maybe you pick social media platform and you really throw your hat into the ring there. Build a Facebook reader group or spend more time making TikTok content or. Lean into Instagram. Yeah, sure. YouTube, wh- whatever, yes. you have to put effort, unfortunately, into your business. <laughs> and I don't mean to, th- to say that in a negative way, well, but like, you can't lo- just, it's not like if you build it, they will come, right? You can't just write a right. book and then all of a sudden you're making money and have readers. Unfortunately, this is not 2011. Yeah. That's right. what happened back then. I mean, you literally pressed publish and like the readers fell from the sky. Yes. We're not there anymore. So you have to figure out a way to hustle in this current industry, you don't have to do it all. I think that that's something to touch on because some authors really feel like, oh my God, I have to do all these things. I have to do everything. It's it's overwhelming and paralyzing to look at it that way. And you don't have to do it all. You don't. You can pick one platform and really lean into it and make that your home. From a brand management standpoint, that's solid advice anyway, because most likely your readers are going to be concentrated in one place. You will have readers across multiple platforms, but they're like, like a retailer, there will be a place where you sell the majority of your books. There will be a social media platform where you find the majority of your readers online. And that's a good point. While we're looking back at this past year, where do your readers live? Yes. Where do they, where do they live? What age, what's the demo that we're talking about? Who, Who buys your books? Do you know? Right. Do you know? Do you know? If not, you should figure it out. 
which you usually can by the analytics that you get from your different social media platforms. So you should be able to tell if your followers are between the ages of 18 and 24 or 25 and 34 or 35 and 40, you know, like if it, where is, where is the range? What are we, what are we looking at? And then where do they live? Which social media platform? Because then now you can make informed decisions. Yes. Now, if you sell your books exclusively through KDP and you're enrolled in the Kindle Unlimited program, you already know that you're making all of your money from Amazon, right? But for those of you who are wide, what retailers do you sell the most books on? That will also inform you about who your readers are. That's true. And I'm going to say 99 authors out of 100 sell the most books on Amazon, just based on Amazon's market share. But you want to look at the 1% that don't buy books from Amazon or the 10% or the 70% or whatever, and figure out which platforms and rank them, right? Like Mm -hmm. after Amazon, I sell 20% of my books on Apple and I sell 15% on Barnes and Noble. And, you know, it'll tell you a lot about where your efforts need to go with marketing specifically in the new year. So if you're not already looking at these things, this is a great time to start. Great time. And speaking of the other platforms, if you are wide and you're not availing yourself of their promotional opportunities. Oh, for sure. You need to do that. You need. So each platform, we all know that Amazon likes people. It's this is the same with every platform, whether we're talking about social media or retailer. Yes. Each platform wants you to live there like permanently. Yes. They want you they to want use you to it. Get ex- on and stay on. Get on, stay on, use it exclusively. They want you present. Right. The more that you touch them, the more that you pet them, the more they're going to like you, right? So I see this, for example, we're doing a a holiday giveaway over on TikTok right now. I'm doing a post a day for 12 days. Uh, I am doing it the hard way because that's that's the way that that algorithm likes it, where you record it in the app, post manually, do all the editing in the app. It's a pain. But that's the way they like it over there, right? right. That's the most you're touching, like you're touching TikTok the whole way through. I'm touching them. I'm petting them. You know, I've gained, what, 50 followers in the past seven days that I've done this mm-hmm. simply by doing posting once a day with their content way. that their way that people are engaging upon. Right. So this is my, you know, heart, my soft launch, if you will, into posting more on TikTok. So this is what we're doing there. But so it, this, every platform is the same way. So with Amazon, for example, the more that you're on Amazon, the more that you touch Amazon, the more that you use their promotions, if you're in Kindle Unlimited, for example, the more likely they are to offer you special promotions, beta run testing for different things. The more they're going to like you, the more they're going to boost you up in their algorithm just uh, organically. Yes. Same thing with the other platforms. If you're wide and you're not reaching out to Apple to say, hey, what promotions are going on, or you're getting invited to promotions and you don't try to take advantage Mm -hmm. of them, Barnes & Noble, go in, schedule those promotions. Kobo, go in, schedule those promotions. Right. Specific to their platform, Kobo only, Barnes & Noble only. Is Is it a little obnoxious and you're thinking, oh, is it really worth it because I don't sell that much over there? Well, you're never going to sell that much over there if you don't take advantage of their promotions. Right. So what do you, what do you, you know, you got to go over and touch them and pet them and use them, 
Use what's available to you. These are all tools in your toolbox. I mean, perhaps said slightly harshly, but no, not at all. <laughs> I, you, you're like a, you're like an athletic coach. Yes, that's is, right. You're, you are, it's a little bit of tough love, but it's meant affirmingly and positively and encouragingly. That's right. <laughs> that's right. But it's true. I mean, if it's same thing with anything. Like if you don't practice your craft, right, you're not going to get better at it. If you right. don't, if you think, oh, well, I can't do this because I'm going to be so cringe yeah. to use a, a word for my son. Well, of course you are. The first time you do anything, it's cringe. Yeah. I mean, truly, you know how many like craft projects I have thrown out and said, this is the worst thing I've ever made in my entire fucking life? I only show the shit that's good. Oh my God. Why am I thinking about the Blackberry quilt? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was not cringe, by the way. That was like peak quilting, Heather. Thank you. I want a Blackberry storm from that. That's amazing. That lives on the tube of you, by the way. It is still there. It's still there. Everyone in my law school class, because I was a, I started in winter semester. So it was a much smaller group of people, right? Everybody thought you were so cool. I had so much cred this semester. You won that that giveaway. I was like, Veronica's friend is the one who won the blackberry oh with the quilts. So it was <laughs> just just a little. Yeah, I mean, oh. looking back upon it, was that slightly cringe? Yeah, hundred percent. But when you I, started quilting, you were not quilting at a level that would allow no. you to create a, a lookalike blackberry out of material like you yes you could not do that when you first started quilting right no so that's no. the moral of this story you gotta work at something in order to become good at it and you know that <laughs> by writing you know your first draft of anything sucks yes. and so it's the same thing with anything else right your first tiktok's probably gonna suck yes you know like you gotta your keep- first your first facebook ad's probably gonna stink Right. You got to keep going and figure it out, learn and, uh, you know, see what works and, and all of that. But yeah, for those interested, you can, you can search for Blackberry Storm Quilt in YouTube and it's still there. And, uh, it was a, it was a contest held by (laughs) crackberry.com. Good which is good very, of the internet which is very popular this was before smartphones i mean this was like the first blackberry yeah yeah it was the blackberry smartphone it was a big fucking deal and um yeah they sent me money they sent me a gift card essentially mm-hmm. they sent me a visa gift card which i was very tempted not to use to purchase the blackberry storm but i did <laughs> i did buy it <laughs> I did. Oh, I love that you used it for its intended purpose, despite the temptation not to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I won the contest. Um, you had to put, you had to submit what you were willing to do for a Blackberry yeah. storm. And then they chose out of that, like, and then in order to win the thing, you had to do the thing. Yeah. So like, I wasn't the only winner, but like I was, I said that I would make a quilt that looked like a Blackberry storm. And so then I had to actually do it <laughs> in order to win the contest. And I did it. <laughs> yeah. After years of practicing your craft. Yeah, several years. Several years. That was in, I think, 2009. That sounds right. Something like that. And I started quilting in 2007. So I, I had two years under my belt. There you go. 
And I literally just found some of the fabric that I used in that Blackberry Storm quilt while I, like two weeks ago. Beautiful. Beautiful. Anyway. So you care so much then, about this. But what we're really saying is that like if you are just starting your 2007 quilting journey with yes. something new <laughs> to your author brand yeah. as we end 2023 and 2024 approaches, you're not going to be winning the Blackberry quilt contest right away but it's still worth doing it's, it's still worth implementing something new it's still worth looking at what you have been doing figuring out what's working figuring out what's not and coming up with a plan to maybe cut back on the stuff that isn't working and yeah. pour more into the stuff that is plus try new things try new things and maybe that's maybe you've never been to an author event before right. maybe you've never been to a book signing mm-hmm. it is worth going to at least one to simply even as a reader to simply network with other authors who are in attendance yep. absolutely it's 100% worth going absolutely. for that purpose so find one near you yes excuse me and make that investment now i mean if you're going to like 12 um, <laughs> I know some authors who have, it might be time to look at, you know, is this, you know, beneficial to me? Am I running myself ragged? Is this right. too much? Because there does come a point when you're authoring and you're going to all of these that you do start to see sort of the same people over and over and over mm-hmm. again. And so there is, you know, how much benefit is it really giving you at that right. point? Would one or two contacts per year be fine or do you need the six or seven, right? Yeah. Like, so figure out what is beneficial for you in that point. And the, th- the thing is, it's going to be different for every single person. And that's why you're looking at this because what's right. beneficial to you and your brand may not work for somebody else's brand. It has been Absolutely. like that since the eon and beginning of time in this publishing industry. <laughs> Listen, you can you can get into a lane and you can follow generic advice. And generally speaking, there are a lot of tried and tested things that people can yes. tell you will work. The extent to which they will work for your brand depends upon various factors that are unique to you and unique to your brand. And I know things that work for all things being equal, right? Mm-hmm. I know things that work for one author that absolutely will not work for another yep. because their brands are different. Yeah. And their reader audience is different. Exactly. And yeah. And let's not forget the biggest things are luck and timing that you uh, cannot plan. Yeah. For which you cannot control. You cannot control those. So try to control the rest of it because remember that luck and timing play a very big part yep. in this industry. What is yep. popular, what is not popular. I mean, I know I represent a lot of hockey romance authors, for example. Yes, you do. They had no idea that hockey romance era was going to become a thing this year. You know, like that's not something they just write hockey romance. Like that's what they've been doing. They were in the right place at the right time. Right. And then everybody jumped on the hockey romance train, which is a whole nother conversation. But the thing is. What, like it's hard? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just, I'm <laughs> just quoting facetious. Elle Woods. I yeah. am not in any way, shape, or form disparaging hockey romance. No, you love hockey. I do. You are you are an actual fan of hockey. Listen, and that, well, okay. Yeah. 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 I am. That's why I like, I like a realistic hockey romance. The fluffy ones don't do it for me. Right. There's nothing wrong with the fluffy ones, but like. They're not for you. If I can tell the author doesn't really know hockey, 
I'm out. Listen, it's the same thing with, I don't, and I don't, we've had this conversation maybe before, but yeah. like lawyer books for me, I can't read lawyer books unless they're accurate. Like I can't, it, oh, it bothers me. Sure. It yes. bothers me to a level yes. that I cannot, if a character is an attorney and they start talking about stuff and like they're in courtroom <laughs> scenes and it's just, oh, I can't. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's painful. Mm-hmm. It's painful. Agreed. So yeah, I, that takes me totally out of the story. Or if there's some sort of like legal thing that happens in the book. That's that, completely unrealistic. Yeah. That's not ever going to happen in real life. Right. Like that's just so wrong. Oh, the struggle. Talk to a lawyer friend. Email me. I will answer your question. I mean, <laughs> if this is for plot purposes, I would rather you have it right. Heather doesn't want to be thinking about the rule against perpetuities while you're no. trying to titillate her. No. And honestly, the only attorneys that really have nailed that in the past decade are the Disney attorneys. And sure. um, we will stand them forever. I I mean, truly. Oh, deep breaths. Deep breaths. But yeah. We're having a hard time staying on topic today. We truly are. I'm surprised that we haven't brought up Taylor Swift yet. Well, <laughs> since you opened the door. <laughs> how how can we bring Time Magazine's person of the year into this conversation? Oh, you could grab one of your cats and throw it around your shoulder. Oh my god, I should. <laughs> Not that one though. She's she's mean. She's mean. Yeah, uh-huh. I I considered recreating it with my cat and then I remembered he's an asshole. <laughs> I mean, he is, but I love him. I don't think he'd hang out on my shoulder like that. I truly don't. Not without clawing <laughs> up the back of my neck. Nah. Nah. I'd have to throw on a hoodie or something that several layers yeah. thick just to make yeah. sure that I don't have lasting uh, effects. Put a scarf on underneath the hood just to be yeah. double insulated against the knife claws. He's going to. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to go sure. straight in. <laughs> I don't know. He's he's not a chill cat. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, what were we talking about before you brought up mother? I, I truly don't remember. Let's bring her back around. But no, oh, we were I'm talking sure. about rap and Florida and Disney and yeah. lawyering and books being unrealistic and how I can't read fluffy hockey romances because I am a very hardcore hockey fan. Oh, yeah. We started on a hockey romance era. Yes. But yeah, that's <laughs> to bring it back. Taylor Swift, I'm sure. Has a whole year-end meeting. I'm sure she's looking. You, the mother is detailed, okay? She knows what's working. She knows what isn't working. So be like mother and look at your brand. Yeah. Just just get to know more than what you write. Because this is a business. This is a business. This is a, this is a business. Uh, let me walk that back. If you're not really trying to make money, it's not really a business, right? Like sure. some people do this as a creative venture because they have other sources of income, financial support, whatever. And they have the freedom to do this as a creative outlet. Good for you. Those yeah. authors are not really pursuing the same thing that maybe a lot of the people who listen are pursuing. So for those of you who need to make money or who would like to make money with your writing, you need to know more than just what you're writing. Like, yeah, obviously you have to develop and continue to improve at your craft, right? The, the better your books are, the more readers should respond to them. But also there is that element of finding those readers. And that's why you need to be familiar with 
Yeah. What you've done that does work, what you've done that doesn't work, and all of your opportunities for trying new things and taking tools out of the toolbox that maybe you've never used before and improving and growing. Absolutely. I mean, I was talking with a client the other day who's obviously hired us because she she wants to make this into a career. Right. And um, we were talking about, uh, you know, different covers and cover options Mm -hmm. and things like that. And she had sent me a Pinterest board of, you know, things that inspired her. And I was like, the Pinterest board is absolutely lovely. Like, don't get me wrong. Love the Pinterest board. Love the vibe that we're going for. I was like, but what about the best-selling books in the genre that are sell- like best-selling that also inspire you, that give you the same vibes? Because we could make a cover that ta- you know touches on all the vibes of your Pinterest board, and you think it's the most beautiful thing on the face of this planet, and it will not sell for shit. Because I don't, I don't care if it's pretty. I mean, I truly don't. I, I have thought things that are gorgeous and they don't sell. Yes. So yes. like I can think it's pretty all day long and be like, oh my God, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh-huh. And then it goes to market and it will not sell. So at the end of the day, I don't care if I objectively think it's pretty. It needs to be the vibe that you're going for properly represent the type, the book that you're mm-hmm. putting out and be, you know, in a presented in a way that's going to sell. Right. So what's selling in the genre? Let's look at those. And then we'll we'll double back to the Pinterest board and see if we can, you know, throw in any of those elements. Yes. But that's the type of analysis that you need to be doing with your brand as a whole. Because well, you might and- love it. Right? <laughs> you might think it's the best most well, beautiful or- branding covers whatever you've ever done. Yeah. Take ego out of it completely, though. Like, do you know the lane you should be in with your books, right? Right. Like, so we work primarily with romance authors, and Romance yeah. Landia is sort of our home. And, you know, I see a lot of authors who just immediately default to, like, bare-chested dude on the book cover, right? Like, because yeah. it, it works. And it works. Broke, it sells. Fix it, right? But honestly, depending on the types of stories that you write that may not necessarily be the, you know, the, the tried and tested general advice that you should be following. You may need something that's a little more feminine Mm -hmm. flowers, something less titillating. You may be more in like a, I don't like a billionaire romantic suspense lane where an object cover Mm -hmm. might be the move. Maybe so, you accidentally wrote a woman's fiction title and you've been yes. marketing it with a bare-chested man on the front and you're wondering why you're not getting great reviews. That's why. <laughs> you need to change the cover. Exactly. But yeah, your, your point exactly as well. Yeah. Is so it's, it, it's not always just about what you want or what you think is, is aesthetically pleasing. Sometimes it's about what fits the book best too, regardless right. of your personal feelings on design. So you've got to know. And the best way to know is to test. Mm-hmm. But also to just study what you've done so far that has and hasn't worked. Exactly. So this is what we're talking about when we say, like, look at what you've done in the past, mm-hmm. especially with your book covers, your blurbs. Right. Look at the blurbs of the books in your genre. Mm-hmm. Are you are yours similar? Are yours different? 
I'm not saying different's bad. Sometimes different can be great, but also it's about reader expectation. Yes. So if a reader in a certain, I will say, I know I've said this a million times and I will keep saying it in every podcast, but if a reader expects something and they get something different, they're going to be disappointed. You're going to see it reflected in a return, in a bad review, in them bad mouthing you on the internet. You're going to see it somehow. Absolutely. And you don't want that reader in your orbit. Right. So how do you attract the readers you want and repel those readers that you don't want? Yes. It's by giving in to the reader expectations of whatever genre it is that you're writing. You can have your own unique spin upon it. Sure. But stay, and you should, that's the whole creative process of this, but stay true to the reader expectation for your type of novel. That That's going to garner you the most success. Absolutely. Anyway, <laughs> that's my rant of the day. <laughs> Should we like maybe drop a general marketing tip and then get out of here? I think we should. I think we should. I have to go run. I have to go uh, do some holiday shopping this afternoon. Oh, fun, fun, fun. Yes. And, so uh, when it comes to a general tip this week, I was thinking about keywords. Yeah. Oh, good tip. Yeah. Well, so most people think keywords. Okay, I've got to come up with things that I can insert into a string for search purposes on a platform, right? Like it's just backend metadata and yeah. I can stop thinking about it after I've after I've done it. The ones I want, right? Like yeah. I just need to pick some, put it in my book listing and move on with my life, right? Mhm. Wrong. Yeah. No. Keywords are actually um think of them very similarly to trope words, you should be using them all over the page Mm -hmm. that your book is being sold on. Okay. If you can stuff keywords into a subtitle, if you can drop keywords into your blurb, you should do both of those things because keywords are way more important than just backend metadata for search purposes. Yeah. It will serve you well if you start using them. You're more likely to pop in in searches if you have them in more places. Exactly. And if I'm, so, yeah, if I'm looking you, up a, a dark gothic romance mm-hmm. and you've used the word gothic somewhere. Yes. Multiple times. Even if it's just an editorial note at the end of yeah. the blurb, right? Like just put it in the copy. Yeah. Slip it in there. Slip it in. And really people love to know what the tropes are. And I, I'm hoping that is a trend that does not die. Because I personally love to know what the tropes are. Yes. It gives me, I don't know, that reader expectation of what I'm about funny, to read. Funny how that works. <laughs> funny how it works. But I, I like most other people, and Veronica as well, we're all, readers are drawn to certain tropes. Yes. We like some more than we like others. It's a, yes. you know, it's a thing. And so like, you want to draw those readers in, tell them what they're getting right up front. Don't hide it. There's no secrets here. There shouldn't be. Secrets, what happens in the book, right? We don't want spoilers. Tropes are not spoilers. Right. So that is a very, very good tip, Veronica. Thank y'all. And we hope that you all reboot your author brand in the new year in a positive way. Try something new. Try something new. new. Yes. I love it. And until next time.